You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. I know, we're going to have a nice clink. We're going to be a little out of order today with how we're talking about stuff, because I'm super excited about my topic, and I even bought us a special Special thing to drink, so um, before we do our normal clink, we have to do all that, but I can't really pull out my special bottle of alcohol if I don't tell you what's happening. (laughs) But yeah, everyone, episode seven, seven, (laughs) eleven. Happening. We're just talking about this. You literally just said eleven like forty I seconds know. ago. <laughs> Episode eleven, lucky number eleven. Eleven's my favorite number. Oh, cute. Seven is my yeah. favorite number. Maybe you were getting us Maybe. mixed up. Maybe seven, eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, eleven is also Edelman's number. That's just a coincidence. <laughs> All right. So yeah. Episode eleven. 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 Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Wild. Weird. Anything new? Anything we need to talk about? We're still in quarantine right now, yeah. but by the time this comes out, which it comes out on the 30th, I'll be starting work the next day. Potentially. Potentially. You know, if, yeah. if we don't all die of the plague yeah. between now and then. Can we briefly talk about what fucking state? Arkansas. Arkansas that had Arkansas fucking, was just having a fucking Comic-Con right now. And it was literally the reports just got released today that they've seen their highest spike. It's cool. No big deal. Yeah. And the picture they showed, some people had a mask on and some didn't. Like, also, get home. Like, don't don't go to a Comic-Con. But if you're going to a Comic-Con, that's an excuse to wear a fucking mask. Seriously. Ser- I would Kitana it up so hard Are you kidding here. me? Yeah. Or Electra. So hard. Mm-hmm. So, this podcast is going to come out on the last Tuesday of June, which is the 30th. Uh-huh. And that means it leads into 4th of July weekend. <laughs> so, obviously, for 4th of July weekend, I am going to be talking about Captain America, Captain America! Steve Rogers, specifically. Now... I choose to do this a while ago. Okay. Stephen Grant Rogers. Stephen Grant right? Rogers. Yep. It's like, what's the G? So, <laughs> the topic I chose to talk about today was specifically Steve Rogers and how he was meant to be Captain America and he embodies what's supposed to be the American dream. Yo. Yes. Now, it ended up getting way deep when I was doing it. <laughs> a whole everything happening now, it wasn't happening when I chose this topic. Also, today we're filming on the, or filming, we're we um, filming. podcasting on the 13th. Thank fuck we're not filming. Today is Chris Evans' birthday. You're the <laughs> Which was also coincidental. I didn't realize it's because of Instagram until like yesterday. So to celebrate both Chris Evans' birthday and Stephen Grant Rogers' birthday... I got us a oh, bottle shit! of champagne. Yeah. I was wondering if you were going to get us that gross Smirnoff, the oh, red, God, white, and blue no. one. Why would I get that? You didn't know what I was doing. I had a feeling. You just said you had no idea what I was doing an hour ago. So I had no idea directly. But if I had to guess, 
I think this probably would have been my guess. <laughs> well, but you, only because I was like, what dates are it? And you were like, this day. And I was like... Well, that's why when you asked me when it was coming out, I wasn't like, yeah, it's the weekend before July, July 4th, because I didn't want to be wicked fucking obvious. <laughs> so, yes. But yeah, I'm hyped. So we are going to pop this bottle. Yes, we are. Popping bottles. Woo! All right. Pouring it up. Pouring it up. I got us the nice Osti, too. Yeah. I splurge. Though, I didn't realize today is also rosé day. I would have bought us a rosé if I realized. Well, I mean. Can you tilt your glass? Thank you. Can can you let me properly pour the champagne in your glass? I don't know how to do anything. All right. So, I already told you my topic, but. Cap, 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 cap. But I'm Brittany Vitrino. I'm Martha Bartlett. And this is. But but first, first, let's let's talk talk nerdy. nerdy. Yeah, now that we have a drink. We didn't have to say clink this <laughs> know, time. We have a clink. All right. Osti, oh, good shit. Okay, so Dad, started writing this. Good shit. And at like three in the morning. Right, you were saying I you was were having like, emotions. I was having emotions. I hit a point and I mm-hmm. like started crying. So Stephen Grant Rogers and... Is it Stephen with a V? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yes, it Stephen is. It's not Stephen. Strange. Yeah. Is Stephen with mm-hmm. a PH because of fucking it's course with a he is. Yeah. Of PH fucking course he is. <laughs> I hate you so much. Leave me <laughs> Okay. My sources today, I read an article called Captain America and the Defense of American Ooh. Dream. I figured out why I figured out. Because I was bitching the other day. About the MCU thing. Yes. I was like, Which oh. I and then you like. told me the date and I was like, double O. <laughs> Detective Martha is on the case. <laughs> Don't hire her. <laughs> no. She just wears a fake mustache and does Unless nothing else. Max her in the face. She's not going to be able to help you out. Like I was saying in the car, everything just kept lining up. And then when I found out it was Chris Evans' birthday yesterday, I was like, what? 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 Shout out. Happy birthday. 39, Chris Evans. You are Listener fucking Chris Evans. fine. Ugh. Good Lord. We watched a movie. Well, I watched a movie It was yesterday. a bad wig. It was. <laughs> they kept doing flashbacks of when he was like younger so like they showed this by him having longer hair and it was an awful leon s kennedy wig (laughs) it looked so bad it was such that fake shade of chocolate brown hair excuse me that no one actually has me and martha are both natural brunettes and you don't have this this chocolate color that it's such a wig color yeah it was we both have wigs that color yes everyone has wigs that color and you know what the fakest brown hair is that wig color you there's no way they bought it off of ebay for more than 12 dollars anyways that is sidebar of that movie. sidebar nation jessica beale was hot in it though and what's his face that hair too don't snap at me. Jason Statham. Jason Statham, please keep your head shaved because it's a weird look and I hate it. And I know that. Did you just tell me not to snap at you? I don't even remember. We'll have Are you to... jealous that Listen. I can snap real well? Martha can't snap. I can snap just not well. She can't really snap. Fuck it's you. Like, and she has to snap with like her pinky. I have tiny hands. I don't think that has anything to do with it because I don't think my hands are that much bigger than you. I'm just bullshitting. <laughs> Martha just can't snap, and I'm a really good snapper. You're such a fucking bitch. <laughs> okay, anyways. Sources. 
Captain America and the Defense of the American Dream by Michael J. Miller. Stephen Rogers Isn't Just Any Hero by Stephen Atwell. Loyal to the Dream, The History of Captain America by Priscilla Page. And then a little bit um, from fandom.com just to get the basics. Yeah. All right. So what is the American Dream? The American dream is the belief that anyone can attain their own version of success in society where upward mobility is possible for everyone. The American dream is to achieve through sacrifice, risk-taking, hard work, rather than by chance. Yeah. Which is not at all what our country no. is right now. And <laughs> hasn't been really yeah. ever. But the American dream is Some equal people can pull on their bootstraps until they're fucking dead. Yes. Steve Rogers is the embodiment of the American dream, and he has been before he even got the chance of being Captain America. It's these exact traits that is what led to him getting that chance and becoming one of the world's greatest superheroes. Even though there have been many great Captain Americas, Steve Rogers was meant to be Captain America and made him the symbol that he stands for. Destiny. Yes. You know, Um, which is bullshit, but also. (laughs) But, you know, so I will start off by saying it's a shame that the character Steve Rogers is often pushed aside to just be known as Captain America. Yeah. Finding that information on who Steve Rogers is, that little 95 pound Mm -hmm. kid from New York, is hard to find, especially if you're like dating. Like, it's not as hard now. Uh, they finally gave him a little backstory. Especially if you're, like, dating? Dating him to, like, back when he first came out in comics. That makes much more sense. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to look up stuff about you on the sly. I know you're 95 pounds right now, but I hear you become not 95 pounds later. <laughs> um, especially in the earlier comics, the man behind the cowl meant very little, mm. but the man behind the cowl is the cowl. He is why Captain America is Captain America. What he does as Cap is because of who he is as Steve Rogers. And even if you uh, type in Steve Rogers, like Wikipedia, it it automatically transfers you to the Captain America page. And then there's this much written about his past. So it's a shame because... You know, if you look up Black Widow, you can also probably look up Natasha and Yelena and they'll get their own page. And Steve Rogers doesn't. He doesn't have a page. If you specifically look him up on Wikipedia, it automatically says redirect to Captain America. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's bullshit. And I was mad about it. And struggle. Make your own. It's Wikipedia. I know. Right. I should Uh, struggle to find things that were not the fucking MCU. It's so real. And I was mad about it most of the time. It took me a very long time to be able to find Mm -hmm. these fucking articles and figuring out what I had to Google to find them. And some of the articles I found because they were in articles that I was reading. Like I wouldn't have found them otherwise. Mm hmm. Now, don't get me wrong, I love the MCU. I love Chris Evans, obviously, was talking about him earlier. And I personally do think Chris Evans is a great embodiment of who Cap is supposed to be, especially for what he is trying to do for this country and mm-hmm. how he is outspoken. Especially, but, shout out, listener Chris Evans. <laughs> again, Happy birthday. You're so hot. Happy birthday. 39. He's a Boston boy. We have to love him. True. <laughs> but this is about... The comic book, that 95-pound little kid that 
Wow. Was fake. You could put it in his pocket. You could put him in his pocket. Well, MCU Steve Rogers is a whole different topic that we won't get day. into. <laughs> okay, so I want to go back to that fragile little boy who basically had every sickness possible. That <laughs> Irish kid who would pick fights to stand up for what he believed in, even though he was basically dying every minute of his mm-hmm. life. Steve Rogers was first introduced as Captain America in March of 1941 in the Captain America Comics number one. He was created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. This comic series started before Marvel was even Marvel. It was still known as Timely Comics back then. Timely? Yes. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. So that's how old it is. Um, Also, fun fact, both of the creators were Jewish, and Cap was a way that they could stand against Hitler. Yeah! Yes. Fuck Nazis forever. If you have an opportunity to punch a Nazi, please punch punch a fucking Nazi in the motherfucking face. Or the throat. Or the dick. Either way. Or a vagina. It doesn't matter. The private parts. Cunt punts hurt just as much as fucking cock socks. I hate you. All right. So I found multiple different reports on this. On Steve's fandom page, it says he was born July 4th, 1922. Then if you go over to Sarah Rogers' fandom page, it's marked as 1920. I've also read in multiple locations, which I always thought it was 1918. But timing comics is stupid. I personally like the 1918 date Because then you don't have to change our fucking blackboard. I do. I still have to change it to a two. Well, but <laughs> no, this is why. And it does have to do with Bucky. If Bucky was born in 1917, which is the date I always read on him, this would only put a year between them as opposed to a five year difference in between them. And if they were supposed to be childhood friends, five years is a big difference when they're that yeah. young. Even three years. Like a six year old isn't going to hang out with a nine or a 10 year old. Like it's not going to happen. So it just makes more sense. Now, of course, Bucky's timeline has completely changed and his origin story has completely changed. Blah, 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 so blah, this blah, blah, could all also be why there's mm-hmm. mixed reports on Steve's birth year. Yeah. Basically, comics and time don't really mean anything. Not at all. But either way, July, July 4th, 4th is always his birthday. Happy birthday, <laughs> Steve Rogers. Which we will celebrate Steve Rogers' birthday. Yeah, That's what obviously. I did last year. I was like, happy America's Ass Day. <laughs> So he's a poor Irish immigrant born to Joseph and Sarah Rogers right smack dab in the middle of the Great Depression. Hmm. There are a few different counts of what happens in Steve's childhood. I don't know it's changed or the MCU has actually altered some of the facts of what happened in the comics, <laughs> which is where I think things start to get a little fuzzy. Right. So he was a very sickly child. Um, I don't think they ever go into a detailed account of everything that is wrong with him in the comics. I know that you can see that list it's in like, the MCU, it's a long list. but it's a long list. I mean, I'm not surprised. They don't really, like I said, pay much attention to Steve Rogers, especially before the serum. So all we really know is that he's very smooth and he's sick very often. Before? (laughs) Before the serum. Before the serum. Yes. Serum. (laughs) Not the serum. I don't like syrup. 
We know. Uh, so even in his backstory with his parents, it changes up. Uh, one version, his father was in the army and died of influenza in 1926. The other version is that his father lost his job, ended up becoming an abusive drunk to him and his mother, and then ended up dying of a heart attack in 1926. Blurm. Now, there's a quote found in I, what I believe is the Earth 616, which is the main timeline. Do you always call it 616? That's what it's called. I've always called it 616. Oh. It's so funny. It's the same fucking last number. It's the same thing. It's just like, (laughs) literally, whenever I, like, hear it aloud in my head, it's 616. That's so weird. (laughs) I've said it before, haven't I? Now I want to know how I've said it in other, if I I have. I don't know if we have. Maybe we've just talked about. I feel like I have, but maybe I I haven't. talking about everything else needs to be defined, but 616 is, you know. Yes, the timeline, yeah. So there was a quote. After one of his father's drunken beatings where Sarah always ends up picking herself up mm. and little bit Steve asks her why she just doesn't stay down until his father goes away. And she says to him, uh-huh. listen close, Stephen, you always stand up. Though no one really wants a timeline where a man is beating his wife. This quote is so important to who he is mm-hmm. and his never give up and always keep reaching attitude that it's kind of too important to Makes take sense. away. And isn't surprising. Yes. So little else is known about Steve Rogers' early life other than the fact that he has a strong sense of duty, honor, and uh, humanity instilled in him, which is perhaps due to his Irish Catholic upbringing and, of course, his mother, Sarah, who raised him. She unfortunately died not too many years later, leaving Steve an orphan, but her words always stayed with him, and the enduring message she left with Steve was one of strength, perseverance, and heart. And this is a quote she said right before she died. A strong heart will take you further than any physical strength. A strong heart means that you'll never quit. So I agree, but also do you think she was just being nice to him? I think Sarah believed in... No, 100%. I'm just being a bitch. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> because she saw who what he an was. amazing boy yeah. he was. And, yeah. and that he always that fought genuine, for... Yeah, always. He was, he was the little kid and he would stick up to people even though he couldn't fucking breathe and couldn't fucking move half the time. I don't think... I don't know how Steve made it as long as he did. <laughs> Comics. <laughs> Okay, so these teachings from his mother and these beliefs are what led him to stand up for what he believed in when he was right, even at 95 pounds, what got him to enlist over and over again until they took him and which ultimately ended up uh, being what led Steve Rogers to be picked for the super soldier experiment Mm -hmm. and why he ended up saying yes to something crazy anyways. Sacrifice, risk-taking, and hard work are some of the main words that are used in the American dream. And these all describe what he did for the super soldier experiment. Steve could have easily lost his life while doing this. They have no fucking clue what the outcome was going to be. But he believed in the cause and he believed that everyone deserved freedom and it was the right thing to do. And as he does state... He just doesn't like bullies. It doesn't matter who they are. So let's look at C's character as a whole. 
both as Steve Rogers and as what he's accomplished as the man behind the cowl. And a little closer look at what the American dream is. So looking at his backstory, we see something uh, very significant about our country and our dream in him. As a character who is designed to embody America, Steve Rogers is the child of immigrants Mm -hmm. with a less than popular religious background of the time. Because America is a land built on immigrants. Cap always fights for the oppressed and the marginalized because that is the American fight. Notably, he wields a shield, a defensive weapon, because America does not attack, but defends Mm. when needed. Or at least those are the traits of what the dream and the idea of what America is supposed to be. What it's supposed to be. Unfortunately. Or do you see why I was getting like choked up while trying to write this? (laughs) Everything is just the worst, but it wasn't supposed to be like this. Okay, so Steve Rogers um, has defended the progressive values he grew up with at every term. In the 1940s comics, Captain America constantly battled Nazis and fascism, as well as corporate tax evaders. In 1974, Stephen Englehart did a story where Steve Rogers resigned in the wake of a government covering up corruption, which was mirroring Watergate. Mm-hmm. Where he says, and I quote, I am loyal to nothing general except the dream, showing that he is not a man for blind allegiance. Here's where you get to say all stupid people who read comics who are like, I don't want my comics to be political. Yeah. Can fuck right off. You do not get comics. Yes. And a a lot of articles I was reading was like, you don't understand Steve Rogers has been... is political, yeah. and he's uh, Captain America stands for the right, right side of being political. Like everything Captain America is is political because politics run the country, unfortunately. Wait, more. and that's just how it is. And we've even been talking about it now. Like we obviously don't have a big basis here, but we listen to a lot of podcasts that have a really big feed, and. Yeah, you don't want to be political, but at the same time, you have the reach mm-hmm. where you have to be political because it goes beyond politics yeah. right now. Right now, and a lot of it being is being a person. It's, it's just are you being a person? A human person. Acknowledge other human being persons. A human person and stand up for other human people. Yeah. So also, if you don't get the fuck out, we yep. don't want you here. Mm-hmm. One of the articles I was reading. Side note. The person wrote a big thing, and it was when Trump first became president. So it was comparing everything to that, how, like, more now than ever, we need to be on the right side, which is Captain America's yeah. side, which is what we say all the time. The theme of and our I, podcast. And literally, especially after reading this, now you'll know why we're saying Cap side is the right fucking side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. In 1989, Mark Grinwald had Cap battle the super patriot to undercut the idea that violence, anger, and intolerance is patriotic. So, to undercut that idea. That was a quote, which is why it's gone a little bit funny. But, uh, yeah. Because we all know the super patriot is... Something. No bueno. And then in 2010, Cap and Falcon... Our buddies. Baby. <laughs> Infiltrate a meeting of the Tea Party Ew. to illustrate their racist white supremacist thinking will always be at odds with the American uh, values. Oh, that's cool. Yes. So the, the mm-hmm. next example. 
This is where I was getting, like, really choked up. Hopefully I won't cry right now because I started crying when I re- was rereading this last night, too, to fix the million typos that if I had. If you cry, I'll just poke you in the eye. <laughs> of course, Cap stood against the Her- uh, Superhero Registration Act. Because fuck that! Because fuck that shit. Fuck you, Tony. Seriously. White male privilege. Anyways, Tony Stark is the embodiment of rich white male privilege. I'm sorry. It's 100% true. If you're a capitalism superhero. (sighs) Just saying. So Captain America tells Spider-Man during the conflict and the confusion of the Civil War. When the mob and the press and the whole world tells you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree next to the river of truth and tell the whole world no. You move. So that quote that Sharon gave from Peggy in the movie Civil War, mm-hmm. Cap actually said in the comics. In the comics. Mm-hmm. To lighten the mood a little bit. <laughs> Can you tell I'm like upset yeah. about it? <laughs> I used to have a pair of panties that said, no, you move on the butt. Oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah. And then had a Captain America shield on the front. I love it. Yep. I love it. Okay. So I could go on forever, but we don't have all day. You still have to read yours at some point. <laughs> so I'm going to give one last example. In 1996, Mark Wade and Ron Garney did a storyline called Man Without a Country, where Cap was mistaken for a spy, stripped of his citizenship, and sent out of the country. As he boarded the plane to leave, Steve said, They called me Captain, but I'm not a soldier. Not really. I serve something bigger than any one branch of the military general. Bigger than any government. At least I did. Remember always that Captain America fought for the American dream. A dream that promised liberty and justice for all. (laughs) And the pursuit of happiness. And then I just cry again. (laughs) Yep. It's fine. Cap, you're too good for this world, (laughs) which is why you are not real. Steve Rogers, why can't you be real? I was talking to someone the other day and I was like, Steve Rogers needs to be real. (laughs) (laughs) It's unfair. (laughs) Okay, to quote the article, Steve Rogers isn't just any hero from Stephen Atwell, which I mentioned earlier yep the larger point here is that unlike any other patriotic superheroes like superman for example captain america is meant to represent the america of the four freedoms the atlantic charter and the second bill of rights and they're all particularly progressive ideas i did do a side note that i'll go over quickly i actually looked up what each of those things were exactly because i wasn't sure if you were going to ask I and was, then if you didn't, and then I was like, I don't want to be that person that doesn't know. And then I was like, and if she doesn't ask, people might not know. So I'll just tell you what they are. I mean, and and it, it honestly does can't tell yeah. you if I was going to not ask and pretend I knew or actually <laughs> ask. I just don't want you to call me out and we'd be like, I don't know. It's just a quote, Martha. No, she- <laughs> <laughs> so the America of the four freedoms is freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom of uh, from want and freedom from fear. Those are the four freedoms. Mm-hmm. The Atlantic Charter was a joint declaration issued during World War II uh, by the United States and Great Britain that set out a version of a post-war world. Some of those major points was the nation's right to choose its own government and ease of trading restrictions and a plea for post-war disarmaments. So the second Bill of Rights would later become known as the Economical Rights, and they include employment, mm-hmm. which is... The right to work, food, clothing, and leisure with enough income to support themselves. Heads up, U.S. government. (laughs) All of these. Farmers' rights to a fair income, 
freedom from unfair competition or monopolies, housing, medical care, social security, and education. Fuck, 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 and fuck. And fuck. (laughs) Yeah, so apparently these economical rights aren't a thing anymore because Mm. they hit none of those points. Nope, nope, nope. Captain America may be the symbol of the uh, the American dream, but Steve Rogers isn't just somebody behind a cowl because he survived the super soldier experiment. Captain America is the symbol of the American dream because Steve Rogers is the embodiment of the American dream. Mm. Mama Rogers said a strong heart will take you further than any physical strength. That heart is not only why Steve Rogers survived that experiment, and we know his heart has gotten him through a lot more battles than his muscles have. That heart is what made Steve Rogers destined to be Captain America, the defender of the American dream. (laughs) No, I'm not going to applaud for you because that's stupid. But, you know. You can applaud for Steve Rogers. (laughs) We love you. Small golf clap. (laughs) So that is Steve, one small part of Steve Rogers. Well, not small part. One major part of Steve Rogers, but still only one part of of Steve Rogers. Yes. Oh, there's so many different ways you could go down with Steve Rogers. Mm -hmm. But like I said, with the timeline of just it, literally I picked Steve just because of his birthday and because (laughs) of the fourth. And then because you're obsessed and because I love him. And I was obviously going to do Steve Rogers at some point. It ended up lining up so much better because it's conveniently Chris Evans birthday. Yeah. What the fuck? I know. I know. That was that was when I read. I was like, really? I was like, that is. I was like, this clearly. To- this topic is clearly meant to be like, for this motherfucking man. Am I week? on top of shit or am I on top of shit? <laughs> Meanwhile, not on top of shit. <laughs> Shocking! Shocking! Hey, weird podcast people! Join us every week on the Flopcast for a half hour or so of silly conversation about comics, music, Saturday morning cartoons, old movies and TV shows, and chickens. It'll be our little secret. Find us at flopcast.net and on the ESO network. All right. Um... So this week has been kind of shitty, so I took forever coming to my topic because that's who I am. So yeah, since uh, since it's the last Arthur's day of Pride. Arthur's a little drunk already. It's what, we, what happened when we drank champagne instead of just seltzers. It's fancy, and I'm not fancy. My body doesn't metabolize I fucking, fancy. I fucking splurged for the Osti, bitch. <laughs> they had the Andre. I was like, nah, mm-hmm. not for Captain America, Steve Rogers, and Chris Evans. They deserve bam, the ass. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> the only three things I want in my life, really. Jesus fucking shit. Okay. But yeah, last day of Pride, uh, we're moving into Wrath. So I thought this would fit well. So Are you doing Wrath from FMA? I'm not. I'm doing Jennifer's Body. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> There's no way I would have ever guessed that. And I was like, oh, I know she loves this so much. Oh, too. my God. I'm so excited. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I watched it last night and I read a bunch of articles. 
What's it on? It's on fucking Prime so we can watch it. Afterwards. Okay, you better fucking watch it with me because I haven't. I own that movie on DVD. Yeah, well, I'm. But I'm I don't have it. Here. Very, very happy to watch oh, okay. it. Okay, so it's many, been a while since I watched it. So many good lines. Oh my god, so it's so bad. Funny and it's, it's so, so good. Bad. It's so bad and it's like, ugh, <laughs> it's incredible. Um, so my sources today were uh, Wikipedia, as always. You can just insert that in at the top of my sources, and then a couple articles. So one was. How Jennifer's Body Went from a Flop in 2009 to a Feminist Cult Classic Today by Constance Grady. Totally Lesbigay, Let Diablo Cody Reclaim Jennifer's Body by Jamie Calabria and Matthew Crump. You Probably Owe Jennifer's Body an Apology by Louis Peitzman. And Why It Took Jennifer's Body 10 Years to Get the Respect It Always Deserved by Billy Niles. So, when... Jennifer's Body first came out, it was 2009, and it was panned pretty much across the boards. And people said it was trying to be funny, or it was trying to be this bad type of horror movie, and it was trying to be this, and it was trying to be that. Uh, Diablo Cody was coming off of Juno, and Megan Fox was also coming off of Transformers. She's so hot. Yes. And she's she's so good in this role. She fucking yes. kills it. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. She's so hot. Girl, girl, Yes. Like, I want to be friends? I know, right? She'd be fun to drink with. I definitely think so. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Basically, Diablo Cody was considered a gimmicky one-hit wonder because she was from Juno. And uh, everybody who thought about Fox thought that she was, like, a vapid Maxim cover girl. So everybody, when Jennifer's Body came out, they were ready to pan the whole thing to throw it away. And also it was marketed 100% the wrong way. It was marketed more to boys, and it's a movie 100% for girls. Yep. So, sorry. But since then, the narrative has changed, so let's get there. The plot of the movie surrounds uh, the eponymous Jennifer, Jennifer Check, and her friend Anita. They've been friends since they were kids, inseparable, and even though they're very different people now, with Jennifer being a cheerleader and popular and everything and needy, Yes, they call her needy. Yes, I remember. Um, Amanda Greed, right? Yeah. She's cute. Um, they're cute. both cute. Yes. Needy's kind of a nerd. She's big glasses. She's in band. She prefers studying to boys, you know. Um, she's still Amanda Seyfried, so let's not pretend that she's that much of a nerd. Like, she's still incredibly <laughs> she's hot. She's still fucking hot. They're like, oh, we put she some glasses on her. She was still a fucking mean girl. Yes. <laughs> I'm so... <laughs> Boo, you whore. <laughs> But yeah, so the movie opens up on Needy in a psych ward, and she gets fan mail and a lot of weird crosses and shit like that. Um, it says on her like official paperwork that she's a kicker, um, and then in the first couple minutes, she takes down some a bunch of people who work there. There's a, a woman who's talking to her about like her hormones and protein or something like that, and the amount of food that she's taking Protein's in. Good for you, exactly. And then she just kicks her across the room and is like, nope. Um, and then she gets thrown into solitary and she tells us her story. It opens up and the opening line is, hell is a teenage girl, which that's fair. Um, I'm so glad I'm not a teenager oh anymore. Oh my fuck, right? So Jennifer hits her up for a concert and she's like, I've been really following this band on MySpace, LOL. Oh God. And Needy's like, well, I'm planning to hang out with my boyfriend, Chip. Also, Don't what name is that chip. name? <laughs> Are you 
<laughs> a fucking chipmunk? Doesn't work otherwise. Are you chips and dip? No? Okay, get the fuck out of my life. <laughs> Don't go by chip. It's Unless no. you're fucking a chipmunk. Well, <laughs> a chipmunk. Uh, chips and dip or chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> That's it. Jennifer is like, mm, come on. And then she's like, fine. So basically she ditches her boyfriend. Jennifer picks her up to go to this band and to the shitty little dive bar that's on the outside of their weird small town which is called devil's kettle in i think minnesota so they go to the bar jennifer goes up to the lead singer because she's like obsessed with him and is flirty and like a little bit like oh okay i'll go get you a drink and this and that and then she goes and flirts with somebody to get this dude a drink And Needy hears them talking about how they think that Jennifer is probably a virgin and would be perfect. How old are they? So they're probably like 16, 17. Yeah. Okay. They're thinking that she's a virgin because the lead singer there, I think his name is Nikolai or something stupid. Some goth nonsense that you made up yourself. We all fucking know. Unless you're fucking Russian, your name can't be Nikolai. (laughs) (laughs) It's only fair. But yeah, so he's like, "Mm, no, I grew up in a small town. I knew girls like her that were just hot shit and wouldn't give it away. Um, Unfortunately, this isn't necessarily true about Jennifer, who is very much not not true. A virgin at all. (laughs) Um, But Needy does confront them and she's like, yeah, she is. So she won't get with you scumbags and this and that. And then during the band's set, the whole bar like randomly starts to catch on fire. And it starts to catch. They try to get out of the bar. Needy pulls her through a window, and Jennifer is zoned way the fuck out and probably in shock. And then this fucking douche canoe comes over here and gives her a drink, and he's like, it's fine, let's get somewhere safe, like my van. And it's like, no, this is a bad place. Never get in a van. No. Literally, one of the number one rules is never let them fucking get you in a car and bring you somewhere else never follow a hippie to a second location never follow any just don't (laughs) (laughs) that's from 30 rock but it's basically true no not even just hippie yeah don't 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 get in somebody's car don't get into someone's car and don't let someone get you into their car because all of a sudden it's on their terms and they have the upper hand go away by themselves into somebody's car. absolutely not mm-hmm I don't care how much of a bitch your friend is being. You be as much of a bitch back. This is literally how people get murdered all the time. Yeah. That said, like, also, they both had just experienced a huge fire and are true? definitely in shock and this and that. So, like, Needy wanders away and you don't see any of that. She, like, kind of comes to when she's back at her house. But, yeah, like I said, it, it doesn't matter how shit your friends are. Don't let them go to dumb places. So Needy gets home after Jennifer gets in the van with this dude and she calls her boyfriend and is like, I don't know what to do. Jennifer got in this van and we have to go get her and you have to come with me so that we can go get her and this and that. And she hears something in the house and she looks around and Jennifer comes out and she's like covered in fucking blood and bruises. And when Needy asks her what happens, Jennifer just smiles and then she starts to eat a rotisserie chicken with her hands and she starts barfing up this black goo that's somehow pointy too um and she's laughing and freaking out she's obviously like fucking losing it needy tries to talk to her and she tosses needy around a bit she asks if she's scared and then she leaves so shit 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 obviously everything has gone to serious shit and then the next morning she turns up in science and is totally fine is like 
well, yeah, mm, Needy, you always make such a big deal out of everything. Like, Needy wasn't up all night literally cleaning all of this gross viscera off of her fucking kitchen. And she's joking about all of the people who died at this bar. Where's Needy's parents? So, I don't know what the fucking deal is with Needy's dad, but Needy's mom, they said she works third shift somewhere. Okay. So, she's not there a lot of the time. But yeah, so she turns up and everybody's dealing with the fact that this bar burned down and a lot of people died and like they were in shock because they were watching people on fucking fire running around and then of course jennifer is like "Hmm, i guess sucks to be them so she exploits the sadness of the football captain in the woods she brings him and she's like aren't you sad about your best friend blah 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 and a lot of weird animals turn out to check it out Like some weird fucking Disney princess shit, but with sex and violence. Um, And then her jaw unhinges and she eats the football captain. I don't remember that part. Ooh, I know, me neither. I was like, why are there so many cute animals? This is strange. Also, if she was like fucking possessed by the devil, the animals wouldn't show up. I think she's only kind of possessed. I don't think animals would show up. No, that's fair. That's like dog barking at you for no reason bullshit. Yeah. This is... Not like chipmunks are gonna fucking sit on your finger while you sing to them they mostly are just gonna watch you fuck which is way more awkward it's also my cat's birthday today <gasps> what the fuck what the fuck is your life it's how is your cat it, born I, clearly i meant to be with fucking chris evans <sighs> chris evans you are a person and you are owned by no one but i would hard yikes i would like you okay in, <laughs> in my vicinity okay um so one of the teachers finds the remains of the football captain and looks like he's been eaten because he has been eaten (laughs) Um, that is what yeah no he walks up on him and this deer is just chowing down like what's going on no deer eat meat i think they're omnivores herbivores yes omnivores would eat they are herbivores it was weird but also there's a lot of deers and devil shit so who knows maybe these deers are devilish I don't like deer, so maybe I'm reading into it because they're dicks. So, yeah, everyone is fucking sad because on top of this huge death that they had at the bar, because it's a small town bar with everybody that they know, they also have the football captain who's dead. So everyone's in, like, fucking black and sad and shit, and Jennifer is prowling in the halls looking like a fucking snack and saying things like, I am a god. Meanwhile, Low Shoulder, which is the band that I didn't name before because I forgot about it. (laughs) This shitty goth band that was there before that were like, coming to the van. Uh, They keep getting more famous in the background of what's going on. And they wrote a song to exploit this whole nonsense since they were in the bar that burned down. So they do a, like, one month later and you see Jennifer and she looks like fucking death and she's lost weight. And Low Shoulder has this song called Through the Trees, which is about them saving people from the bar, which they obviously didn't do. And they're being seen as heroes, and we all know that they're shithead rapists. Cultists. Cultists, etc. I mean, it's all in the same fucking bag. We know what you are. So Jennifer is talking to Needy, and Needy's like, you look really tired. And Jennifer's like, it's wearing off. And he's like, what? 
And then Needy's goth nerd friend asks Jennifer out to a movie, Rocky Horror, which, of course. And then she's like, uh, I don't like boxing movies. <laughs> I'm like, you're such a bitch. That's terrible. So she shuts him down immediately. Needy's like, no, he's nice. He's a good guy. Um, and then she immediately hops on board and tells him to meet her later. So at this point, you see two things that are happening at once. Needy and her boyfriend are having sex for probably the, what's assumedly the first time. It seems really awkward. There's a lot of awkward (sighs) condom things. At one point, he says something about four minutes of something. Yeah, I know. This is why I like can't watch teen movies. Yeah, well, at least they're like dull. Like, um, and then spooky goth nerd comes to go see Jennifer, and she sent him an address. But it's a weird abandoned house with only two cars on the street, and one of them is his. And one of the rooms is lit up with candles. And he's a little apprehensive. And then her eyes flip to like weird devil eyes, and then she starts to fucking attack him. And at the same time as this, they flip back to Needy and Chip, who are doing it. And she's having visions of Jennifer and blood and death and, like, basically having a panic attack, which Chip is misreading. So as soon as they're done, four minutes later, (laughs) (laughs) she bolts to go get Jennifer, uh, gets in her car and drives away. And she drives until she runs into Jennifer, who is covered in blood in the street. And she swerves out of the way. Jennifer jumps on her fucking car as she's swerving, which, what the fuck? And then she gets a lot of recollection about everything going back to, all of this weird shit is going back to after she saw Jennifer after the band. Jennifer gets away, and uh, Needy goes home. She hops into bed, and Jennifer's like, yo! She's like, what? Because, of course, finding somebody in your bed, fucking creepy. And then, and then they make out a bit. Yeah, a little bit of making out, a little bit of making out, which you know, like Needy's very—they're both very involved in each other, which you know, it's like a weird teen girl friendship. But yeah, they make out for a little bit, and then Needy pushes off of her and is like, "What the fuck?" So she tells Needy what's up. So basically, what happened the night of the fire? She kind of realizes where they are in this van. She, like, kind of comes to, and she looks around, and there's these weird occult books, and she asks if they're rapists, and the lead singer is like, fuck, I hate girls. Uh, And then they take her into the woods, and they sacrifice her for fame and nonsense. They're literally sacrificing her body for their stupid band, and she's begging them, and they're singing, Jenny, I've got your number, as they're stabbing her. It's fucking disgusting. It's gross. And... It doesn't work because she's not a virgin. So it didn't kill her, and she realized by then that she has to eat to be strong. But when she's full, she's unkillable. So when Needy starts to question what full means, she starts to hint that she'll go after Chip. And then she says, see you in school, and hops out her second story window. So Needy's like, research montage, it's time, I need to figure out what the fuck is going on in our occult section of the library in our school, which... (laughs) Uh, She figures out that she is a succubus, and that the only way to kill them is a blade to the heart when they are hungry and not full, because if they're full, it won't work. 
So she tries to tell her boyfriend this and he's like, oh, <laughs> I think we need to talk and I think you're having problems. And fair. This and that. That is fair. And she's like, you don't believe me? He's like, well, not, not really. this part of what you're talking about. It's and that's a little fair. Weird. Yeah. And then I'd she's like, like I need to break up with you to keep you safe. And he's like, get some therapy. What the fuck? And she's like, you shouldn't go to the dance because it won't be safe. And he's like, you know, a lot of like, okay. Okay, that sounds fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everybody's getting ready for the dance montage, and Jennifer is already running out of food. And as she is doing her hair, it's starting to fall out. She looks gaunt, and she goes after Chip because anything that she does is about either her or it's about Needy. And this one's about Needy. She tells him that they need to talk about Needy and how she's going crazy. And she makes her move and starts to kiss him. And then she is like, am I better than Needy? And he's like, oh, what? And then Needy does that weird sixth sense thing that she does a couple times where she knows something's up with Chip and she runs out of the dance in her like giant 80s outfit. Jennifer's trying to get with him. And after some kissing, he's like, no, I just I can't betray Needy like that. Even though we're broken up, I still love her, blah, blah, blah. Jennifer chucks him into this weird overgrown pool, which is grody as fuck. Why? Where? Why? It was on the top of this hill and everything's overgrown. And and I was like, I'm not 100% sure what this is supposed to actually be in real person life. If the pool was that overgrown, there wouldn't be any water in it. Get rid of it. It was slimy and shitty. Maybe it, it wouldn't was a be a sewer thing. I don't know. Maybe, but I was like, if it was just like a pool laugh that got that overgrown, most of the water would be fucking evaporated by then. It probably was yeah. a sewer thing since it was so black. I guess. I don't know. Basically, there's water. It's gross water. Needy shows up and she climbs through a window. And as she's climbing through the window, Jennifer is chomping with her giant fucking teeth on Chip's neck. Needy lunges for her and fucking attacks, and after a little bit, they talk shit to each other in the way that only teen girls can. And Is as Chip dead? Not yet. Okay. We're almost there. Uh, He's and, almost dead. Yes. And then uh, Chip impales her as they're, like, when she goes to attack Needy, he impales her with a pool skimmer, which, what a bummer. Uh, she asks Needy for a tampon. For the wound. I remember that. Um, and then walks off as Chip dies. Wait, won't. So, comes back to the beginning, kind of, at the end. Needy breaks into um, Jennifer's house and her room, and she goes to attack her with a box cutter. Jennifer bites her and attacks back, and they, like, are floating in the air and this and that. And then she breaks their BFF necklace, their Biff necklace, which distracts Jennifer long enough to stab her to death. And then Jennifer's mom walks in. And of course, she doesn't have any fucking idea that her daughter has been a demon this entire time. So that's how Needy gets put into the psych hospital. It also turns out that demon transference works with bites if you don't die. So is that just a Jennifer's body made up fact? I assume so. Okay. Not that demon transference or demons in general are real. But, but also, if you're a demon and you don't want to kill me, but you would like to bite me to give you, me your powers, I'm fine with it. I don't think that's how it works. That's how it works in this. Okay. It doesn't work like that in anything else. Yeah. So she breaks out of the hospital because she has all these demon powers. She's able to levitate. She's able to break through the things. And somehow, through some fucking 
divine providence, she ends up finding the knife that they fucking stabbed Jennifer with. They threw it into the devil's kettle, which is like a whirlpool thing that goes into something where you never find anything again. And then she hitches a ride to go kill Low Shoulders. He's like, what are you going for? And she's like, oh, I'm going to see a band. And yeah, it's going to be their last show. And then the credits are just their murder and the murder scene. Adam Brody, who is Nikolai, gets stabbed with his own fucking knife, which is chef's kiss. I literally wrote chef's kiss in my notes. Oh, Uh, Oh, Luna, you should choose a different mom. Sorry, Luna. You should be ashamed. (laughs) She is. (laughs) So this movie could have been any old horror movie. And instead, because it was written by two women, it was a horror movie that was made for young women and explored female friendship, which there's very little in the world of horror that explores female friendship at all. Or has female protagonists. I was going to say Scream. Oh, yeah. Scream's so good. That's another topic for another day. So uh, when you first see Needy and Jennifer together, this random girl who's sitting right next to um, Needy calls her lesbian, LOL, 2009. And Needy says she's my best friend. And the thing is that she could have been both and that Needy went for the safer choice Tip is a safe choice in literally every aspect. He is very safe about them having sex. He is very safe about being like the dumb nerd in band who's going to take her to the dance and get her a nice orchid corsage and this and that. But it could have gone either way there. And there's a codependency between teen girls that a lot of teen girls and then later female friendships end up having that... It's a, I'll build you up and I'll break you down, especially as teen girls. Ugh, yes. Yeah. Teen girls are both vicious and vulnerable, which is a special type of person that's very difficult to maintain. And then there's a weird, intimate nature between the relationship between girlfriends. Girls who are friends, not necessarily girlfriends in the lesbian manner. You know, it's the same sort of thing where you look at two women who are best friends and you're like, they could be best friends or they could be gay. Who knows? You'll never know unless they tell you. So just ask, I guess. <laughs> so just ask. They'll yeah. tell you. Yeah. <laughs> they they'll probably make many it. jokes about it. <laughs> and they'll mm-hmm. laugh about it. Yeah. But yeah, there aren't a lot of movies or horror movies that explore that, especially because horror movies are mostly marketed to males. And men don't understand a lot of real relationships. But yeah, Jennifer's body is the story of a woman's body being used for horror and then her taking it back and becoming monstrous in the wake of the monstrous things that happened to her. In the wake of the gross patriarchal shit that happens to her, she becomes a monster and she destroys it herself. Which, beautiful. Love, love, love. Diablo Cody said, I wrote it for girls. If a guy wrote a movie with the line, hell is a teenage girl, I would reject that. But I'm allowed to say it because I was one. I think the fact that we were a female creative team gave us permission to make observations about some of the more toxic aspects of female friendship. There are heady ideas at play here. In elaborating on Jennifer's body's themes, uh, Kusama, who was the other one who wrote with them, another woman, wrote, Part of the problem of an imbalanced power structure like a patriarchy is that women participate in it. And it's so important to have that conversation. Jennifer's body is a lot about that. And both Needy and Jennifer are participating in that and then becoming apart from it. 
But I got to tell you, I've loved it from the very, very start because, of course, I love anything that's like, men are dumb and is also like horror movies and is also like hot girls and lesbians. You know, and it's very much those themes of like falling for your best friend and not knowing if they like each other and things like that. And also not knowing what to do and keeping it to yourself. And on top of all of, all that. of that, it's still like a bad horror movie, it's which still, is great. I was going to say, Diablo Cody wrote it to be fucking fun, a yeah. fun horror movie, but it's also like, it does talk a lot it about all these other horrible things. It does have actual, like, fucking, like, you can messages. Have yeah. Mm-hmm. But it isn't meant to also be like a like a serious horror movie in the way of like horror. Yeah, goes. no. Hell is a Teenage Girl is a weird way to open up any sort of a movie and it's beautiful and I fucking love it. Gotta love a story about queer BFFs who don't know how to like each other. Small town nonsense and claustrophobia and men who use their privilege and take advantage of young women. Bam. Also, there are so few movies that like actually look at I really like my best friend, but also I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, In a queer sense. Yes. I don't need to see you. I don't know what to do about my dumb boy best friend. Um, he's in high school, so ignore him. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I solved your problem. I solved all of the problems in the world. You're <laughs> fucking welcome. Fucking welcome. All right, choo, everyone. Choo. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed us. Both of us are especially in weird moods right today. now. Did you just say topsy? Tipsy. Okay. I just can't hear. (laughs) I just can't hear. No, I just can't hear. So make sure you give us a follow on Instagram at buttfirstlesstalknerdy. Also, if you want to talk to me about defending Jacob. Or Or if you want to send us some non-black cherry seltzers. Yes. And we'll trade you. We'll trade you. That is buttfirstlesstalknerdy at at yahoo.com. We're on Podbean, we're on iTunes, and we're on Spotify. Don't talk about Podbean first. Always say Apple. Fuck And we're not on iTunes, we're on Apple Podcast. We're on Spotify, and then you can always find us at Podbean if you can't find us at those other places first. Yeah, that's true. Thanks for listening, friends. And remember, always be on Cap's side. Because it's the only side that matters. It's the only side. Happy birthday, Happy birthday Chris, Chris Evans. Evans, listener Chris Evans, listener Chris Evans, and we'll see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.